Welcome to Direct and Current, an audio broadcast presented by Electrical Business Magazine. I'm Anthony Kapkin. At the end of May, Electricity Human Resources Canada revealed its research report, Leadership Pathways to Gender Equity, which explores the status of women's representation in companies across Canada's electricity sector with a focus on the leadership level. Now, joining me to talk about this report is Michelle Brannigan, CEO of EHRC. Thanks for joining me, Michelle. Hi, Anthony. Thanks for having me here today. Delighted and looking forward to the discussion. Now, before we get to the report itself, uh, just for for my sake and for our listeners, uh, I'd like to know a little bit more about Electricity Human Resources Canada. So can you tell me a little bit more about the organization and its purpose? So Electricity Human Resources Canada, or EHRC, are the most trusted source of human resources insights, tools, and programs to support the Canadian electricity industry and its workforce. So we're a member-based organization situated here in, in Ottawa, but we do have a national mandate and also have staff on the West and East Coasts. Um, ensuring that we have representation across the, the country is, of course, very important to us. At a very broad level, we undertake uh, labor market research, or labor market LMI as we call it, on behalf of the sector as a whole. So we're looking at the, the labor supply demand gap, for example, workforce demographics, training needs, etc. What we do then is translate that research into building actionable programs and resources uh, to address the HR issues uh, that have been identified. And those issues, you know, are going to directly impact operations, budgets, talent management, uh, etc. Now, a number of those initiatives, of course, will have a focus on diversity, as with our, our latest uh, report, Leadership. Uh, but we look at things such as succession planning, skills development, um, mental health, uh, knowledge management. And of course, right now, we're on top of the COVID-19 situation, and we're conducting pulse surveys and interviews with our industry to understand the impact that that situation is having on employers and employees across the country. I would say that at the end of the day, we, we provide employers with the, the tools, uh, practical tools and strategies that, that make a difference in workforce planning. And we really try and to work as an essential HR partner for all of industry, and that is managing uh, industry's most critical asset, which at the end of the day, of course, is our people. And uh, I really do believe that the unique strength that we bring to the table is that uh, we bring everybody together, employers, labor organizations, educators, governments at different levels, um, and other industry associations uh, to the table. It's really important that we provide uh, an avenue for all voices to have an opportunity as we as we develop the workforce going forward. So you actually are, are busy with a whole lot more than I, than I thought you were busy with. <laughs> It's never a dull day. So moving back to this report, Leader Shift, so Leader Shift, Pathways to Gender Equity. What prompted EHRC to look into women's representation at the leadership level? Well, our mission as an organization is to support the workforce needs of the sector. And so that means a sector, of course, that is highly skilled, productive, safe, of course, in this industry, and diverse. But it's that last word that is still challenging for the industry overall. So the LMI that we conduct, and that program has repeatedly shown that women um, working in the, in the sector, the number remains 
low, too low. And despite the fact that we've had, uh, you know, lots of discussion around this, Anthony, and, and a certain amount of hand wringing over the years as well, uh, we're not moving in the right direction fast enough. Um, women's participation in the sector uh, remains at about uh, 26%. And if you look at the trades, those are actually in single digits. But we really wanted to get a better grasp of the number of women in the leadership role. So be that the C-suite or on a board here, I'll give you a surprise, it's still low. Um, and then understand the challenges that are impeding women's advancement into those leadership roles. The leadership report uh, itself uh, confirms what is well known by most industry observers, and that is that uh, leadership ranks do not reflect the number of talented women that are available in the labor force. Now, there's a lot of discussion, of course, uh, around uh, you know, transformation in this sector. Um, we are in an unprecedented time of change. We see our organizations facing shifts in business models. Uh, there's greater demands, of course, for innovation and performance. Technology impacts is going to impact uh, on jobs and skills. And we're going to see a lot of the current leadership retire over the next coming years. So if, so if you look at things in that context, a focus on accelerating the advancement of women into leadership ranks is, I think, especially timely. And you know what, Anthony, we can't wait forever for change to uh, somehow happen and to miraculously wake up one day to see that our industry is fully diverse and representative uh, of, of Canadian society, of, of, of the people that we serve. The, the electricity sector has long been male-dominated. It's been slow to embrace change. Uh, and, and many of us have seen a lot of programs and initiatives over the years that are aimed at uh, advancing women's um, careers. Uh, we ourselves have, have undertaken a few of those, but despite all of that, the progress can feel that it's, it's, it's not happening uh, quickly enough. And, and so we're going to need to push things along. Uh, I, I do think that some of the findings in the leadership report will be a big surprise to those reading it. Uh, to others, it bears out what they have seen or experienced during their careers. Uh, but I do think it's going to be a little bit of a, a wake-up call for some leaders in, in the sector. Without putting words into your mouth or without reading from the report itself, mm. uh, can you give me some, some examples, uh, some reasons why more robust female representation at the board level benefits the organization? Absolutely. Um, and I, and I, as I said earlier, industry is changing, right? Uh, energy policy is going green. New technology is changing the grid. The workforce isn't getting any younger. We're going to be investing billions of dollars over the next few decades um, in this sector. It's no longer business as usual. That's going to require a change in how we educate, we recruit, we train, and develop the people who are going to be managing our systems. And we all know that from a, a sort of a social justice lens, it actually it makes sense, uh, and it should be done in having a, a more diverse workforce. But let's talk bottom line, because I think the reality is that we always need to, to present the business case uh, as well. There is a consensus now that a, a more gender inclusive executive team and board of directors can reliably produce better results uh, in all sectors. We're seeing that in all sectors. And those benefits and talent management uh, are important in building a reputation as an employer of choice. That's really important, uh, especially when we look at the demographics in the electricity sector, because of course we're going to be competing with all other sectors for talent over the, over the next 5, 10, 15 years. Um, other benefits, you know, an effective and high-performing 
organization. And then you're attracting and recruiting the most highly qualified women and men that are out there. And so what does that mean? It means that you have stronger access to talent and the critical skills. We're seeing things like things such as uh, better compliance with regulatory requirements, enhanced innovation, better competitiveness, an increased safety track record. These are just some of the some of the things that have been shown to uh, to result from having uh, more diverse thinking uh, at the leadership uh, level in the organization. And again, we've got to remember that other sectors are not standing still on this issue. They too are actually facing pressure to attract more people, to increase the representation of women in senior leadership ranks, and the competition can be stiff. We need to be doing a lot to ensure that we're seeing as an employer, uh, an employer of choice. If you, if you look at uh, some of the, the studies that are out there, there's, there's actually a study by uh, McKinsey that was released o- over a year ago now, but it estimates that uh, greater efforts to harness the power of women in the economy could boost Canada's GDP by $150 billion in 2026. So that's billion dollars. That's a huge amount of money. So you know, when we look at that list, you know, what's not to like on that? Why would it, why would any company not look at itself to ensure that it has the most competitive advantage? And that is a diverse workforce that mirrors Canadian society and, and its client base. And, and we're definitely going to need those billions to help uh, pay for all this COVID stuff we need to get yeah. through. <laughs> now, according to Leadershift, Among the 61 organizations researched, 12% have no women on their board and an additional 11% have only one. And the report also goes on to say that having one woman alone on your board is insufficient to glean any benefits uh, that come with having a, a diverse board, having more female representation. So regarding these organizations, are they comfortable or, or why are they comfortable in their status quo? Uh, are they suffering from a lack of talent from which to draw? Uh, what do you think is going on here? Yeah, there's a, there's a lot in there, isn't there? I, uh, if you look at those numbers, they mean that almost one quarter of boards in this sector have no women on them or only one woman member and so that those boards are missing out uh, on all the advantages that I mentioned earlier you know that you know the things that a a more balanced perspective can bring Um, and and in addition to that there's a lot of research that shows that if you are the only one of anything so the only in this case the only woman on the board you know you can also face challenges in having your in having your voice heard and being seen sometimes as a token you know, she only got that seat on the board because she's a woman. And so they're, you know, they're looking to, to show that they are uh, more diverse and they're taking it seriously. And for that individual, that, that person may actually feel as if they're only in that position as a token. So there's a, there's a real issue there that needs to be addressed. We have seen some progress. A number of the boards that we looked at, 77%, you know, did have two or more women. And, and I think we are seeing some great leadership in a number of the utilities across the country where they have female CEOs in some instances for the for the first time. So I don't want to give the impression that progress is not being made. It is. But we need to accelerate that progress, right? You know, the report showed that as we grow more women on the board and we, as we build some of the, that momentum, Uh, The challenge is the pace of growth. Again, it's very slow. I would find it hard to say that organizations are comfortable in their status quo, as a lot of them are actually doing something. I think complacency might be a better word, Anthony, for some companies. I think that they're not not really... 
thinking about it as much as they as they should, or they're or, or they're looking at it and they're thinking that their numbers are okay. Another component of this is the fact that there seems to be a lack of awareness among senior leaders that there even is a problem. So when we surveyed um, the women for the leadership report, a lot of them were not at all confident that the senior leaders were even aware of the barriers within the organization. So that's one piece. The research also said that uh, women still have some doubts about the commitment that is there, including within their own organizations, from their own organizational leaders. And, and, and I was maybe surprised at the level of this. One in every seven women uh, felt that leaders within the electricity sector are not at all interested in increasing the numbers of women in leadership, and that a lack of executive commitment uh, limits women's uh, progress in the company. But the men that we spoke to, almost half of those felt that leaders are very committed. So it, it's, to me, it's, it tells me that men and women are hearing very different messages. And so we need to understand why women's workplace experiences are differing so much from their male counterparts. And that's going to be critical because those differences in perspective often make it more challenging to actually reach agreement on, on actions for change and the need for change. That actually uh, blends in quite nicely or segues quite nicely to uh, one of the other stats and questions I want to put to you. So the survey found that one in every five men, roughly, so 18%, uh, in the survey believes it is actually easier for women to succeed in their workplace than it is for men. Yet three out of four women, 75%, believe they have a harder time. So there is clearly a, a profound disconnect uh, between the two. So if you could hazard a guess, you know, how, how does this occur? Uh, are, are men and women reading the question differently? Do they know what they're answering? Are they answering the same thing? Um, how do these beliefs align? Well, the way the questions were, were positioned, it was very much about the respondents, you know, their perspectives and their own experiences um, and how that helps us uh, understand what it, was, what it is like for them at work. So everybody was answering the same question. I think that the response, the deviating perspectives, um, as you say, that really caught our attention as well, actually. You know, we really hope that leaders will pay attention to this and get to the bottom of why there are disconnected views, especially if they're coming from the same, same workplace. Uh, one aspect of, of, of that study's observation is, is the overall lack of awareness of gender issues. You know, there really is a, a link between assumptions, myths, misconceptions, misunderstandings, barriers to the commitment to gender diversity. And that really is why we need to, to address some of these things head on through awareness uh, to recognize what those challenges are and to support changing behavior you know, support, supporting behaviors then that actually make, make a difference. And I think a lot of organizations really need to take a good, uh, hard look at their, themselves, review and look at their diversity policies and practices, whether those are formal or infor, informal, and, uh, and look at the effectiveness of them. And, and be realistic as well about the issues that can impact uh, female employees. You know, they can be many, lack of role models, limited support, um, lack of flexible work arrangements, that type of thing. And what I think is really important as well is, again, getting back to the leadership role in moving this 
a discussion forward. Um, over half of the survey respondents in the report said that, and, and this is in quotes, all talk, no action is a barrier to making progress towards greater gender balance in their organization. So there's still a lot of things that need to be done. And, and, but to get more women into those senior jobs to help facilitate some of that change, you know, we're going to need to look at the pipeline on how we actually get them there. Now, speaking of how we get them there, there was a, a, another tidbit of information that really caught my eye. The research showed that, uh, or, or the research had concluded that women are likely missing the highly valued, and this is in quotes, the highly valued operations and technical experience that would propel them into CEO or other key decision-making roles, end quote. To me, when I read that, it speaks to a failure of ours to get women, daughters interested in the skilled trades and, and energy while they're still young. What more can we be doing on that front? Yes, that's true. And there's, and there's a couple of pieces there I'd like to speak to on that. Uh, we have heard time from time again that you are unlikely to consider a job in this sector unless you know somebody already working in it. So if you're not aware of the types of jobs that exist, you're not even thinking of about applying uh, to this sector. As we talk to young women about the jobs, um, we need to be um, cognizant of the influences in their life. So there's different audiences. So EHRC has spent quite a considerable amount of time over the last few years in, in, in doing this and engaging with those different audiences. So um, it's not just employers and, and the work that they need to do to ensure that a young person looking at their company, company sees themselves represented within that company, um, but it's also the educators who are molding young people from, from, from JK to graduation, right, through the PSE system or through, or through the trades. And then, of course, there's parents themselves, and sometimes parents also carry their own biases with them. Um, so that's something that we're trying to address. And then profiling those women who are working in the sector is very important. So showing, showing the women who are working in all different types of careers, particularly I think in the trades and technological um, jobs. So sending them to career fairs, to elementary schools, to engage with parents at the various events that are, that are going on. Those are all things uh, that we need to consider. You know, Anthony, I have heard many, many times um, on this agenda that uh, you know it's too difficult to change the numbers. We tried recruiting more. We tried to, you know, we did a market marketing campaign, we interviewed a couple of women for trades jobs, couldn't find anyone qualified to, to sit on our board. And, and I really don't, uh, I don't believe that. I don't think it, it's, a, it's a valid response. Uh, I, I do agree that it can be hard because we're already dealing with uh, such a smaller uh, number uh, of women that were, were that are in the sector. Many companies are actively trying to, to more women into STEM and in the trades, but I think the solution is to really get creative about you know, where and how you're sourcing talent and, and, and to be open-minded about the type of talent uh, coming through your, through your doors. But those women who are already working in this industry, which is a male-dominated industry, uh, they can be role models. And I think they themselves will encourage younger women to enter new fields. And that in itself will, will, will build out that, that, large and, that larger talent pool and uh, ideally shift the, the number balance over time. Now, one of the recommendations that came out during the report's launch was the need to communicate and educate 
on the benefits of gender diversity. We talked about the uh, the benefits of 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 having a a good diverse uh, board or C-suite level, but the messaging itself. What does it look like? What does it sound like? How is that messaging uh, customized uh, for the audience? So I think the messaging needs to be consistent and very clear. And, and and I will say that I don't think any any organization should be you know running one campaign to simplify it to running one campaign for men and uh, and another for women. We do need to position that uh, this is not a, a male versus female situation. At the at the end of the day, true gender equality will be good for it. Be good for the economies. It's good for families. It's good for everybody in the organization, and and perhaps especially men themselves. So so that's really important. Um, you know, think about some of the things that were you know we talk about often through a, a female lens. We talk about parental leave and, and work uh, a flexible work-life balance and those types of things. Yes, those are good, good for women. They're also good for men. If parental leave is acceptable for women, it has to be acceptable for men as well. If more feminine uh, leadership styles are to be appreciated within the workplace, then it has to be acceptable for men as well to show vulnerability, to be more collaborative, uh, to take ownership for helping to create inclusive workplaces without them being seen as, uh, as soft, for example. So, you know, there's societal norms out there um, and expectations for both men and women. And, uh, and particularly in safety-sensitive industries, such as electricity, of course, uh, there is a recent research highlight, highlighting sort of the impact of that hyper-masculinity uh, type of, of um, mentality. You know, men are expected uh, for so many years now to, to act in a certain way, don't cry, toughen up, be a man, that type of thing. And, uh, and I really think that influences how men act in the workplace, and that can slow down uh, then that culture change that's need, needed within within an organization. So, you know, doing that whole masculinity differently brings many benefits, of course, at all levels. So, Michelle, then then tell me, uh, after doing this research, uh, obviously a lot of thinking is, is going into this and behind it, uh, we're formulating plans and strategies. So, what what how can we proceed to get more women into these leadership roles? Well, I think what we need to do is look at the pipeline to get them there. You know, we, we talked a little bit about uh, the, the sector's track record in, in regards to, to the board. We also looked at the executive ranks and, and, and how many women were in C-suite positions. And that was not as even as, as positive as at the board level. Over one quarter of the companies uh, in our sector have no women publicly listed on their executive teams. That's no women. Almost half uh, I think it was 46% had no women listed in C-suite positions. So, and that overall is represents about 26% of the senior executives are women. And that really dovetails with what we're seeing in our LMI studies. So, so let's look at that, that talent pool. If when we looked at the true the leadership, one of the contributing factors that we saw is that the there's an overrepresentation of women in corporate functions, right? So HR, IT, legal. But the reality is is that in this industry, uh, roles in corporate functions rarely lead to those CEO positions, right? Um, and, and another finding which I found interesting is that throughout the industry, women are underrepresented in the STEM fields that are natural 
stepping stones to management, leadership positions, and, or, and operational uh, and P&L responsibilities. But when we look at the field of study of women, so the, the women who participated and are working in our sector, almost all of them actually have a university degree and, uh, and or a professional designation. And so most of the common fields of study were commerce or the STEM fields. So what that tells me is that many women are not working in the area for which they studied and trained. And then that means that those women are, uh, are likely missing that highly valued uh, operation and technical experience that's really going to propel them right into that CEO role. So what's going on there? Are they hitting that glass ceiling somewhere within their careers? So, you know, the challenge is not necessarily always a lack of talent, but a lack of talent management. And what's interesting and, and, and a little bit uh, alarming is, you know, we looked at this in our last LMI study and we asked employers, uh, you know, what are you doing in regards to diversity initiatives? And only 32% of companies in the electricity sector have an actual formal diversity strategy or plan in place only 32%. I thought that was incredibly low. And you know, Anthony, the old, the old saying is, is fail to plan, plan to fail. So, you know, is it any surprise really that uh, the number of women and other diversity groups as well employed in the sector is, is well below the average for the Canadian workforce. I think what we really need to do going forward is, is pay close attention to existing, uh, the processes and practices that are in place to see where they can be improved overall. And at the end of the day, and I will say this over and over and over again, every organization needs their leadership to advance, uh, not just the idea of gender equality, but really to make it part of the organizational culture. So that means, understanding what's going on in your organization, looking at your policies and procedures, benchmarking your organization, and then holding your managers uh, accountable for progress. I think that's really important at the end of the day. Michelle, thank you so much for joining me today and, and taking the time to discuss the report and what we can all do moving forward. Always a pleasure, Anthony. Thank you so much for having me. To learn more about Electricity Human Resources Canada, visit electricityhr.ca. To find the report Leadership Pathways to Gender Equity, click on Workplace Solutions, followed by Sector Research. Thanks for listening.